Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, this is Stu Hodum with Believe in the Media Guide on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? This weekend, CBS will air the Masters for the 66th consecutive year the longest-running sporting event broadcast on one network. It'll be the 36th consecutive Masters for Jim Nance, who will serve as host for the 34th time. His lead analyst, Sir Nick Faldo, returns for the 25th anniversary of his third green jacket. Lead producer Sellers Shy will lead his first Masters production, having served under Lance Barrow since Shy first worked the tournament in 1997. That year's event, won by Tiger Woods, also was the first for CBS Sports chairman Sean McManus. At last fall's Masters, Dottie Pepper became the first on-course reporter at Augusta National Golf Course, and drones patrolled the links for the first time, too. Shy says those drones and a fly cam will be back, while Pepper explains the fan dynamic five months ago, and McManus says a cinematic camera used on the field at the Super Bowl will return at the Masters. The response was overwhelming uh, about how um, the different look by the drones and different look by the fly cams was um, appreciated by by the by the fan by the by the audience and uh, I say nothing more than stay tuned to uh, our coverage and uh, I promise you you will get uh, as uh, you will get the compliment all right maybe a little bit more. Sellers, can I add, add one thing to that? Um, walking out there last year, you know, starting on Thursday, uh, the limited number of people that were out there, and they were, they were either with players or they were members or a few people that were sort of cleared to be out there as, as helping, helping the whole tournament along. Um, Thursday, it was like when someone hit a, hit a great shot, it was almost like they were afraid to clap they kind of looked around to see if it was okay to respond. And by Sunday, you could, there were like little pods of people that were with each of the players and there was natural conversation. There was natural applause for good shots and you could start to hear it just a little bit around the golf course. So I would anticipate that it might be a little, there's going to take that and keep growing on it. But it, to me, it was being out there, seeing how hesitant people were to make noise on Thursday and how it released itself to Sunday was, was pretty fascinating. One other thing we do have uh, this year is the, uh, the Venice handheld camera, which gives a, as many of you know, gives a, a cinematic feel um, to golfers walking from the practice putting green to the first tee and other shots um, around the, uh, the clubhouse. So that's going to give also a very dramatic look to our coverage. With Shai's first Masters in the big chair, Nance and he hope the CBS track record for first-timers will create another memorable moment in the tournament's history. So Sean's first Masters, which was Lance's first Masters as a producer, was Tiger's win for the ages in 1997. My first was Jack Nicholas in 1986. What this means is Mr. Shy up here. He's been at the Masters a long time, but he'd be sitting in that chair for the first time. Get ready, sellers. There's going to be something there that's going to define, you know, maybe a career in the game. Maybe it's going to be some epic performance. It tends to work out that way. So... Jim, you're right a lot of the time, and I hope you're <laughs> right this time as well. <laughs>
The CBS crew shared their experience at their first Masters and the people that they think about when they are on the course. Nance recalls how producer Frank Trakinian hooked him up with a round of golf on his first trip to Augusta, and he uttered the phrase that became synonymous with the Masters. Nance thinks of his parents, and last week he celebrated a milestone with his mother in Houston. My first time stepping foot on the grounds of Augusta was in early March of 1986. I was summoned to Augusta by Frank Trakinian, who wanted me to come shoot some promos that would run during the NCAA basketball tournament leading up to the Masters. He felt like maybe it would be a good idea to introduce me to the golf audience a little bit, even though they're watching the NCAA tournament, familiarize, you know, maybe that this kid's going to be a part of the Masters broadcast. Since I'd only at that point been to two tournaments, on the uh, one at Pebble and one at Doral. So he summoned me to Augusta to shoot these promos. And when I got to Augusta, of course, I was just in awe that I was actually there. Uh, the camera crew that was coming to shoot the promos missed their connection in Atlanta. So suddenly there was some chaos. And, 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 and Frank said, well, kid, I guess you're just going to have to go play until they get here. So I was like, I'm in a shirt and tie and you know, I've got no clubs or anything. He goes, don't worry about that. I'll take care of that kind of detail. Just, just sit back and shut up and get ready. You're going to be playing here in a few minutes. Frank, next thing you know, he found a member that had an opening in their, in their group, got me some clubs and bought me some shoes, some golf shoes. <laughs> like 10 minutes after getting there, I'm on the first tee at Augusta. Uh, all the while, I'm, I'm kind of looking over my shoulder waiting for this crew to show up. And I just hit my tee shot at 13 when I saw Frank coming over the hill in a cart and he said, get in the cart. They're here. And at the time I was like three over through 12 and I was in a good position off the tee at 13, seeing it for the first time. I wanted to keep playing. He said, you'll have another opportunity. Let's go. So that was it. That was actually the first time uh, that day I ever uttered the phrase, a tradition unlike any other was for those promos. And uh, who did I think of? I thought of my mom and dad. Uh, they were the ones who nurtured this crazy idea that one day maybe I could work for CBS and call the NFL and broadcast the Masters tournament. So uh, like a lot of the answers you heard, my dad, my mom, very much in my heart. My dad's been gone a long time. I think of him every single time I square up to the camera to come on the air, uh, looking at that lens, and I think of him. And uh, I think of my mom, too. And I'm down here in Houston. Parenthetically, we celebrated her 90th birthday last night. So um, she's and my mom and dad both are with me every time I'm at Augusta. It's been a lot of years now, but I wouldn't be there without their love and support. A parent is on McManus's mind at the Masters, too. His father, Jim McKay, led CBS's coverage before McKay took a call from another network while working the Masters. My father, as you know, was the voice of the Masters. Um, back in the early 1960s. Um, he was on the, the grounds of Augusta National when he got a call from somebody who he was told named Ron Arledge about doing Wide World of Sports. He literally, from the press, from the press room, uh, had a conversation with Rune about becoming the host of a show that Rune tried to describe to him, uh, but he really couldn't. He said, the show is probably gonna be called Wide World of Sports, and it's going to involve a little travel. 
Um, so when I set foot on Augusta National that first time as the, as the head of CBS Sports in 1997, all I could think about was my father and the fact that he had broadcast so many hours of coverage from this very site. Uh, he loved the Masters. He loved Augusta National. Um, so for me, it was an easy one. And it was almost uh, kind of like life going full circle. You know, your father helps make a name for himself by being a broadcaster, um, a pioneering broadcaster in those times when, when it came to golf coverage. And all of a sudden, by some stroke of fate, his son gets to have the honor of representing CBS Sports um, with, with the legacy of his father uh, always on his shoulder. So it was easy one for me. And I think of him every, um, every day that I, I, I step foot on Augusta National, I think about my father and uh, the shows that he did, all the Masters coverage that we watched together, and the fact that I'm lucky to, to whatever, whatever legacy I have, um, uh, which is small compared to my father's, I'm just in some way, hopefully carrying on the legacy that he set so successfully. Before McKay's death in 2008, McManus paired him up with Nance at Augusta. McManus recalls the special bond between the two broadcasters and how his father critiqued the CBS telecast each year. Jim had a very, very close relationship with, um, with my father and got to, uh, my father came down to shoot some features um, in the mid, early 2000s. And Jim and my father and I got to walk the course a little bit. And I started a tradition then uh, that every morning on Sunday before the people arrive, before the patrons are around, walking down to uh, Amen Corner and just walking around and having a conversation with my father. I remember the times that uh, it was the last call I made before every Masters telecast, and I would say to him, you're going to love the tease today, and Jim Nance's voice was on that tease, so again, life coming full circle, and he was the first call I made after the, the telecast was over, what'd you think? And he usually gave me three or four positives and a couple of negatives, because he was an, always a very honest critic, but... Uh, <laughs> It, uh, the relationship between Jim and my dad and me goes very deep also. Family is important to Nance, who recently signed an extension to stay at CBS. He remembers his parents when he talks about his goal of working at the Tiffany Network. I'm working at the network that I wanted to work for when I was a little boy. This is not good copy. This is a true story. Many of you have written that before. I was 11 years old when I first made the declaration to my parents that I wanted to work for CBS. That was my career goal. So I'm proud to say that uh, I'm going to continue working for the only place I ever wanted to work for and with the people uh, with whom I've wanted to spend my career with. There was never, never any other consideration on my part. There was no other um, idea that there's anything else I'd want to do. I'm thrilled. Um, I'm so excited to be a part of this CBS family. Nance looks forward to calling the 100th Masters in 2036 and says a New York Post report that he wanted a contract equal to his NFL analyst Tony Romo's $17 million wasn't accurate. It's 51 Masters because that the 51st Masters for me will be the 100th playing of the Masters, and I'd like to be there for that. I'd like to be there for that milestone event. So... The reality is that um, might have been a false narrative out there. In fact, there definitely was. There were no demands. There was no contentious air to this thing. This was about CBS wanted me to be there. 
I wanted to spend the rest of my career there, and I could not be happier the way this all came together. McManus says contract talks went smoothly, and Nance says he wanted to be a one-network guy. There was never a plan at CBS Sports to go forward without Jim Nance. Um, It was never going to happen. It was never going to be a possibility. Um, The discussions, obviously, as Jim said, were cordial. Um, I think we did a fair deal for Jim and a fair deal for CBS. Um, but there was, um, there was no plan B and there is, there is not a plan B and we're moving forward and Jim Nance is going to be with us. Uh, thank heavens for many, many years to come. So it was just a, just a matter of time and getting it done, but our, our interests are, uh, our interests are aligned. And I, I kind of got sidetracked, to, but why would I declare that that's what I want to do as far as what kind of negotiating tactics somebody might ask without giving us some deep thought. I'm not into tactics. I'm just, I'm transparent and I'm honest. And that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to be a one network guy. And as I said, this is what I wanted to do since I was a little boy. And I could not be more grateful to be able to do the events that I wanted to do. That was what was important to me, to be able to do the events that were meaningful to me to work these events with the people that are meaningful to me. While there's something special about a Masters broadcast, Pepper says she works it like every other tournament. Nance notes fewer commercials help the flow of the show, and Faldo explains why the Masters whisper is real and necessary from his perch above the 18th hole. I don't think so. I uh, try to go at it with the same philosophy of... of, uh you know, an economy of words because the pictures are so good. And it's not, not just the master's week, but every, every week um, to make what you see count. And, uh, you know, it's, it's about, like Jim said, getting the right stories out there, getting all the stories out there, the, the ones that really, that matter. And as the tournament goes on, if you've put your work in early, it should start to seem like it's just more conversational. And I think that's what we do such a good job about. We, we all communicate within each other, in each other's space so well, uh, you know, knowing that Ian's at 13 and has 13 and 17 and eight. And there's a, there's a flow to knowing who's got what holes. And, and I think that does start to come, come through. So maybe it's, it's the ease with which we communicate with players um, for someone now on the ground and those in towers that, that does come across. You know, I think, too, that the pacing of the show is really big. There aren't uh, that many commercial interruptions, as you all know. So uh, we're not trying to play catch up. Um, You know, we're able to, as led by our truck, led by Lance, this long last stretch, and now by Sellers, we're able to um, kind of stay current and stay on pace with everything that's happening right in front of us. We're um, We're not behind on shots and quickly cutting to catch up. That's just the nature of television, particularly golf television, but not at this event because of the commercial limitations. So other than that, there's nothing that's premeditated that you try to approach it in a different fashion. I certainly don't feel that. and I'm not attempting to be anything different than what I am every other week covering golf. It's just an honor. That's all I can Jim, say. Can I, yep. Jim, can I add? Sure. Can you hear me, everybody? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, the reason why we sound different is because uh, the towers are right on the back of the 
or on the 18th green, for example, that, and we are right there and we have open sights. And um, so we have to be very careful. That's why we do go into a golf whisper, mainly because if somebody is putting on 18th green, but we are calling another hole, like the fifth or something or the tenth hole, and it's very easy to get carried away. Somebody chips in on, on the fifth, and you go, oh, that was great, and because I've got somebody putting right below us, so that's why we, we do go into a, a golf whisper and, and, and we and obviously on many occasions we get a player right underneath the tower chipping back on, on eighteen. So we uh, we obviously want to tell you what tell the viewer what's going on, but we the player can actually hear it. So that's what we do. That's why the 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 master's whisper uh, has to happen. CBS will have traditional 18-hole coverage on Saturday, April 10th from 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern and Sunday, April 11th from 2 to 7 p.m. Eastern with early round highlights at 11.35 p.m. on Thursday and Friday. Masters Live, featuring more than 100 hours of live full-day streaming video, will offer four channels on CBSSports.com, the CBS Sports app, and Paramount+. Plus. ESPN Plus will have two-hour practice round sessions on Tuesday and Wednesday. ESPN will air Wednesday's practice round, and it will have live first and second round play on Thursday and Friday from 3 to 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Golf Channel will have more than 55 hours of live from the Masters coverage with NBC Sports Golf Studio team, led by Rich Lerner, who shares his 2021 storylines. The uh, storylines that... Uh, I have my eye on. I think a lot of people would like to see. Uh, I had to sort of rank them uh, pre-tournament. I think uh, the best story would be Jordan Spieth winning again at last. First time since uh, uh, Birkdale in 2017. Uh, Bryson at Augusta. Uh, Rory completing the slam in his seventh try. Uh, Dustin becoming the fourth to repeat. Um, I'll throw... Uh, a curveball here, Phil at 50. And though he hasn't been great of late, you never discount someone like Phil at Augusta. And then I think uh, the other story, I think uh, if it happens, uh, if he plays, Brooks Kepka on one good leg. So I think, uh, you know, a lot of uh, really good storylines going in. Thanks for listening to Believe in the Media Guide. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes and find us wherever you get podcasts, including Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V dot com. I'm on Twitter at Hotem, H-O-T-H-E-M as in Mary. Stay tuned and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.